0: The following podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It does not reflect the views or opinions of my university or its affiliates. Hello, and welcome, as always, to the podcast. My name is Dr. Adam. I am a professor of interpersonal and family communication, and I am a follower of the TLC television series, Sister Wives. And as always, here I am, (laughs) ready and raring to go to talk to you about this show. Specifically, this time I want to talk to you about Season 1, Episode 7, titled Four Wives and Counting. Before I do, I want to say thank you to everybody who has been supporting this podcast already in the short time that it has been publicly available. Thank you for every review, for every rating. Thank you for subscribing, for following, for emailing me. I've gotten some really nice emails at thesisterwivesprofessor at gmail.com. You know who you are. Thank you for your nice comments. and suggestions and things like that. I read all of it. I try to respond to everything. I really do appreciate it. That said, let's talk about the episode. We open at the big house. Cody is saying that tomorrow is his wedding to Robin, so tonight he's having what he calls just a guy's night out. We see Logan on the couch and Cody says, as his oldest son, Logan, is pretty much a man, so he's coming too. Cody specifies not for the last time. This is not a bachelor party, just a guy's night out, and Cody sort of catches himself, thinks on it. He almost says that Logan will be the only actual bachelor, but he corrects himself and says, actually, we've got a number of bachelors, and he he just busts up. He he can't contain himself. He starts laughing uproariously at this. Cody has been building to this fever pitch. In the series so far of just exultant joy, it seems like, about his impending marriage to Robin. And he's been talking about this as of this recording in the most recent season, revealing just this ecstasy he was in when he became connected to Robin romantically. And you really see it going back and rewatching these episodes. I think that was very real. A friend of Cody's enters the big house, and Cody embraces him enthusiastically with a hug. On the couch, Cody says that every once in a while, you need to go out with the guys and, quote, heal up, which I thought was interesting phrasing. Heal from what that evokes thoughts of damage, pain, illness, maybe? On the couch, he says, from being around all the estrogen? And he asks it like that with a question. His tone rises at the end, denoting a quite like, estrogen? And the wives all laugh at this, giving me the impression this isn't the first time he said something like this, and giving me the impression that this isn't a statement that they're uncomfortable with. That's all fine and good, but again, kind of a strange thing to to denote that the presence of his wives and the presence of his children are damaging in some way. Now, to be clear... You can have a vital, healthy relationship and still benefit quite a bit from alone time or just friendships, hobbies, activities, work away from your partner, away from your kids temporarily. That's normal. That's okay. But that phrasing, again, to heal as if that time with his family is damaging, I don't know, that stood out to me. We see Cody's friend Robert telling the camera He'd be happy with just one normal woman, but Cody has several. Interestingly to me, as Robert is speaking in the background, I think it's Hunter. It's hard to tell. The brown boys, for the most part, have very similar sort of very short cropped hair. And that will change later. I think it's Hunter in the background of the shot on a desktop computer playing what I think is minesweeper. So I noticed that. And it's funny because it reminded me of me being a young teenager And my folks having people over for drinks or whatever, and me just sitting at the computer playing solitaire for hours on end, hoping nobody asks me how school is going or if I'm ever going to get a girlfriend or whatever. Cody is sitting in a chair with a very young Isabel in his lap. It's kind of a sweet moment. Nice to see that she was able to get some sort of physical connection with her dad, some sort of affection as he tells his friend Robert that he has lots of single young female friends coming to the reception. Why does Cody have lots of young single female friends? That's an interesting question, isn't it? We know from the book that Cody did acquaint himself with at least one teenage woman at one point, but maybe we'll get into that later. Someone recently sent me an email asking me if I had read the book Becoming Sister Wives. You know who you are. Thank you for the email. I have read it. To tell you the truth, though, it's been, uh, as of right now, probably, oh gosh, at least six years since I read it. So once I'm done with this podcast, I have it downloaded onto my Kindle. And I'm going to read it again for the first time and take some notes. So thank you for that suggestion. Panning to Logan, he points out that Cody and his friends gossip worse than anything he's ever known. This is very common. Men do engage in relational communication. It does happen. Male-male friendships do tend to be more task-oriented than friendships among women, but that's still, even if that's largely accurate, it's still a stereotype and obviously doesn't apply to everyone. Men do engage in relational maintenance to talk, and that includes things like gossip. Cody once again says, no dancing girls, no beer, not a bachelor party, and Janelle says, look, Logan is 16, there better not be. And Cody, again, laughs very loudly, almost, I don't want to say inappropriate in that it's like socially inappropriate, but inappropriate in that it's incongruous with what's being said. It's this, this energy, this joy and or Cody's tendency to ham it up and scenery chew and perform maybe both. We see more of this playing to the camera though, or to the crowd or or whatever, Cody at one point is standing in the doorframe of a suburban yelling at everyone, let's go off to his guy's night out. We cut to Robin's rental, still the night before the wedding. Robin is discussing her bridal shower, which I guess took place off camera. She received at the bridal shower a Cody survival kit with celery. We know he loves celery. I pointed out in the last podcast that the previous episode of the show opened up with Cody at Robin's eating celery. She also received salt because Cody notably does not like pepper. Robin, maybe this is a coincidence, maybe it's not, she's mirroring Cody's excessive joy and laughter at at things that aren't necessarily all that funny as she recounts the story of how she made his eggs for him once and Cody was sort of disappointed because she put pepper on them. And I guess he says, oh, that's okay. Christine will show you how to make my eggs. Robin laughs at this a lot. She, she can't get through the story without laughing as if it's so funny. It's weird. I would argue Cody could have approached it by saying, you know, thank you so much for preparing food for me with everything else you have to do. I'm not a big pepper fan. Not a big deal. I do love salt, but whatever, you know, thanks. Thank you so much. I, the point is, I really appreciate you making me food. Or hear me out. Cody could put on his big boy pants and make his own food. Also, the kit contains cotton swabs. I saw a hand sanitizer and a container of spray on starch for Cody's ornately bejewelled and bedazzled medieval crest dress shirts. Robin says that Cody comes across as high maintenance, but he's worth it. Now to say he comes across that's what we call a qualifier in essence she's saying he's not actually high maintenance she's trying to take. The sting out of that statement. So she's not actually criticizing Cody in any way. Although she says he's worth it because he does the same for you, because he tries to meet everyone's expectations. So it's a bit of a conflict in just in her own phrasing there. Cody trying to meet everyone's expectations is sort of the theme of this season that Cody is equitable and gives everyone what they need to the best of his ability. If that's the case, great. We know that that will not stay the case. Robin says, no pepper, no sweat, no big dill, not dill, I love regional accents, I'll be honest, I do, the Utah accent fascinates me, so yeah, not a large pickle, folks, not a big dill. Now we see Robin the morning of her wedding, she's dressed and she's ironing her brown family photo dress that we'll later find out Mary asked her to have so that she could be on theme with everyone else in the family. In those photos. Everyone now, all the wives and Cody are on the couch discussing the possibility of rain on the wedding day. And Christine puts on this sort of soft, higher pitched, optimistic performance voice, going, Heavenly Father wouldn't do that to us. Mary says it was dark and gloomy. Christine sort of interjects, That's not a metaphor. It's literally what was happening. And Mary, maybe building upon this voice gimmick they're doing, puts on some sort of weird southern accent, I guess. And she kind of goes, That's how my heart felt. And everybody laughs. This, to me, though, reads more of this Brown family culture joking, quote unquote, joking about real feelings, because I'm sure Mary was happy, but also had a lot of mixed emotions about this wedding. Bigger issue than the weather, Robin says that the addresses on the invitations is incorrect, We can see the text of most of the invitation and it says that Cody Brown and Robin Sullivan welcome you to a union of their families. Not a wedding reception, but a union of their families, which is an interesting touch that stood out to me. The invite also looks has a photo of Robin and Cody together, and I'm not trying to be mean. My immediate reaction was it looked like someone had like it was their senior photo (laughs) taken together. That's just what it looked like to me. Robin shows her creative backup plan and she <laughs> announces very loudly this is my jar. <laughs> it's, it's this is big. Sorry. I, gotta get, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I love this jar. This jar is hilarious. I. It's, okay. I got to get through this. So in all capitals italicized and underlined ATTENTION! EXCLAMATION POINT. All caps. BROWN! The word brown is colored brown. Celebration not here. Celebration, not and here each have the first letter capitalized, and then two exclamation points. (laughs) Sorry. The the fonts change, the font sizes change. Says that the I'm okay. Says that the address was misprinted. It looks the the sign looks like a letter in a movie that a serial killer sends to someone. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with this jar. I want to take a picture of this jar and make it my phone wallpaper. I don't know. It just tickled me. She specifically and helpfully points out there's also a photo of me and Cody on the jar. Good job. (laughs) Okay, I'm back. I'm fine now. I had an A&W root beer. I got my giggles out. Sorry. Takes a piece of paper with the address for the real wedding reception location. The producer blurs out the address, but keeps the name of the venue, just in case, I guess, people don't know what Google is. Cody arrives at the rental with Brianna and Dayton. Robin takes Brianna to go wash up, and Cody... I don't know how I felt about this. I'm probably reading too much into this, but I didn't like it. Cody places a hand on top of Dayton's head and sort of turns him physically around and, like, directs him where to go with his hand on his head. Just felt kind of weird... Cody doesn't really know the, based on the timeline, Cody doesn't know these kids that well. It just, just felt strange to me. Cody does a quick talking head and says, I'm 12 today and giggles. I'm excited. I'm happy. He says it again. I'm 12. It was an interesting choice of age to to say, but whatever, I get what he's saying. He's very giddy. He's bobbing his head. We see just Cody and Robin alone on the confessional couch. Cody has an armor on Robin. As she starts speaking, he's just staring at her and smiling. Cody back in the rental, like any good husband whose wife is busy and doing stuff, just says, Hey, tell me what I can do. And so then off he goes like a shot. Now we're at Beck Z Boutique and Salon or Beck's Boutique and Salon. I don't know. I Googled it. I couldn't really get a definitive answer. Christine is explaining that Robin was busy. And yeah, she's busy. We'll more on that in a bit. So the other wives and the kids are at the salon getting pampered, she says, and she closes her eyes, cocks her head to the side and smiles. She clearly enjoyed this experience, as she should. The ladies are all getting their hair curled. Madison is very sweet, complimenting her sister McKelty, saying she looks gorgeous. For the first time, we actually see some of the teenagers on the confessional couch, specifically Aspen, Madison, McKelty, and Leon. They all seemingly really enjoyed this, this experience, this salon experience. We even see a sleepy baby truly getting her tiny little fingernails painted. If you haven't picked up on it yet, folks, I love a little baby. And she looked adorable. Cody's driving around to set out the ransom note jar, fretting over the clouds. The producers put in this hilarious oom polka type music set over Cody wheeling out a dozen black and silver balloons from a, what looks like a party city location. Interesting choice of, like, black and silver balloons. Whatever, fine. He says it was Robin's idea to mark the wrong address with balloons to help the murder jar to stand out to people. Cody says he can't find the wrong address, which is a weird sentence, but he, that's true. He's That's what he's doing. More shots of trees blowing in the wind. I think the producers are trying to invoke anxiety or suspense. And us as the viewer of, oh my gosh, is this wedding going to take place? Yes, of course the wedding takes place. I don't know. It's kind of a weird choice, in my opinion. Robin's getting her hair did now. We see Robin and Cody on the couch. Robin says they've been through so much, and she seems very serious. All of her facial expressions show that she's feeling some serious emotions about this, talking about trying to get people on board with the situation. I'm guessing meaning their relationship. She claims emotions, so many emotions flying everywhere. Beware of flying emotions, I guess. She smiles, saying they've talked about more kids, which she wants. Goodness knows Cody wants more kids for his celestial kingdom, right? Brianna at the hair salon, very cute, counting the sparkles in her mom's hair as she's being tended to by the hairstylist. Nice little moment between a mother and daughter. Cody explains to the camera he has to find the wrong address, and this is kind of funny, he stops, looks down, and goes, oh, there's Mary, and he means his phone. Cody on the phone with Mary says he's close to a feld. There's that Utah accent again. I think he meant field. But in Utah, it's a feld. There's no I in feld. Kind of like team. Says he isn't lost. The spot is lost. Even mentions maybe he should use GPS. So basically, Cody this entire time has just been trying to hound dog smell his way to the location, I guess. Like every boomer dad in American history just refusing to call up Siri and get this done in 10 minutes. I don't know. Whatever. Cody finally finds the spot, which somehow doesn't actually exist, so he just says, ah, the hell with it, and parks between two perfectly nice-looking homes, dumps the kill jar and the funeral balloons on the grass, and calls it a job? Done. Cody Brown, will he get the job done well? No, no. But he'll get it done. Robin at the rental stressed, dressing all three kids on her own and trying to get ready for her own wedding She's tense throughout the scene, and I'll be honest, like, I don't i do not blame her. This is not easy to do. She's asking Aurora over and over again, Aurora, I need help, I need help, asking her kids not to fight. Unfortunately, it's a law of nature that kids are obligated if the it's the absolute worst possible moment for their parent to pick a fight. The kids just, they have to pick a fight. I think maybe it's illegal if they don't. I'm not sure. I don't understand it, but I certainly have been a part of it. She recounts this whole story on the couch, and Cody's just smiling and seeming amused. But she does not look happy. She rhetorically is asking, why am I alone? Why is no one here with me? Why do I have no help? Janelle smiles at Robin and so is Christine. Mary sort of looks at the camera and gives it a knowing smile. Cody looks very concerned he's not smiling, like the wives are. Mary points out, yeah, that's because you told us to go get our hair done and don't worry about it. And Christine laughs. So Robin seems to be the victim of her own choices here, to be honest. Mary back at the big house in her bedroom area putting on Cody's clip-on bow tie. No judgment. I wear bow ties at work quite often. They are all clip-ons. I do know how to tie a, a tie, folks. Don't put on the internet that I don't know how to tie a tie. I don't know how to tie a bow tie. I am I'm, I'm not, I don't even own a non-clip-on bow tie. Please don't tell my students. They already make fun of my bow ties. I don't care. Bow ties are cool. Cody Brown's not cool, but bow ties are cool. Cody's very close to Mary. Of course, she's putting on his tie. Proxemics are what in communication we call what space says communicatively. So proxemics, like proximity, right? So the way we use space communicates certain things. And when you're in someone's intimate space, like right up in their face or whatever, right? That's either confrontational if it's not welcome, or if it is welcome, that's a very intimate space reserved for only the people closest to you, no pun intended. Cody's very flirtatious. He has sort of heavy-lidded eyes and going hi to Mary. This is working for Mary. This is Mary's anti-drug right now. She's very receptive to this. Cody even kisses her, and she says, I kind of want to say something, but I don't know if I should. She sort of hems and haws. Leon, by the way, is in the doorway, a foot away, watching this entire thing, which that's not awkward. But Mary tellingly looks at the camera, not at Cody, and says, I wish this was my wedding night. So, clip on bow ties. That's what gets Mary all horned up. The editor makes the hilarious choice at this point not to just cut to Robin running around stressed out, but to briefly have a split screen with horny Mary and Cody and Robin in the rental being stressed out alone at the same time for a second. Chef's kiss. Well done, TLC. Robin kind of snaps at her kids because they've locked her outside of the van. Been there, she says on the couch. Look, they were locking the doors on each other. They were locking the doors on me. Yo, that's stressful. I understand that. On the couch, Cody talks about their union, their marriage ceremony, their religious ceremony. In the book, too, I remember them being vague about this. It's beautiful. It's private. Robin sort of does a tell here. She says, like, I'm not going to talk about it. Or she sort of insinuates, we don't talk about it. And yet she just keeps talking about it. She says, it's beautiful. There's a lot of love. Everyone cries, but it's very private. But then she just keeps talking. She she kind of, I think, wants to tease this. This almost, you can't know about this kind of thing. They drive up to the venue where the marquee says, Cody and Robin, welcome. And Cody says, cool. Just like Wayne Campbell in Wayne's World. I rewound it. it. It sounded just like it to me. They try to take a family photo. And folks, this whole thing just raised my blood pressure. This was Mary's idea. She says she pitched it to Robin. Hey, we're going to do a big family photo. It'd be kind of awkward if forever in our first sort of big fancy dress family photo, you're wearing a wedding dress. So hence why Robin was ironing that brown dress at the beginning of the episode, right? Janelle says that Mary helps the photographer fix the shot, which never a good sign. That photographer. It's their job to fix the shot. And Mary says she's a bit too much of a perfectionist. Christine, very tellingly, with another Brown family passive-aggressive joke that's not a joke, says, What? What was that? And they all laugh. Mary says, They call me, and she pauses, The picture Nazi. So let's recap. So far in season one of Sister Wives, Mary is both the packing Nazi And the picture, Nazi. I don't mind putting my flag in the sand and saying, if you have been referred to as two distinct kinds of Nazis within the same season of a television show, you might have some work to put in. Cody, for his part, corrects her, says, you were the picture, and he pauses, goddess. Mary, with the quote of the entire season, I like goddess so much better than Nazi. Yeah, girl, we all do. Robin says Brianna turned on her prima donna because Brianna is crying during the photo session. Robin on the couch kind of makes fun of her child by making these exaggerated crying faces. Didn't love that. Brianna could have been hungry. She could have been tired, overstimulated. I don't know how she was being communicated with. These things are stressful. And Christine helpfully kind of points out, well, her entire life is changing. After these family photos, Robin puts her wedding dress on. We see her and Cody around the four-tiered wedding cake and Mary and the other wives come and give Robin the clotter ring, which she opens and immediately does this exaggerated like head jerk gesture and puts her hand over her mouth and does all of her, hey look I'm crying expressions, what I like to call Robin's crying adjacent facial expressions. Speaking of bad wedding choices, Cody cuts the cake and shoves a piece of cake into his new wife's mouth, which folks, don't do it. On the couch. Christine recounts this, and Cody makes this big fake show of apologizing individually to each wife with this jovial mocking tone. Notably, everybody laughs at this except for Mary, who sort of tightly smiles. I don't know. Maybe she didn't find it funny. Footage of Cody and Robin in the reception tent dancing. They're smiling. They're in lerve. Janelle's on the couch with a faraway look, thinking back, says, My reception was nothing like this. Her whole courtship was kind of nothing, it turned out, right? That's not me criticizing. It's just kind of is what it is. Like last episode, she mentions that her marriage ended a lot of friendships. Christine says hers also was very simple, which is true. Mary points out that she had a big event and Janelle was there. She does not mention that Janelle was married to, I believe separated from, but still legally married to, Mary's brother at the time during their brief marriage. I don't blame the producers for not talking about this. If you're introducing a polygamous family to mainstream America and you're trying to wave this banner of, this is normal, everything's fine, nothing too weird, just weird enough. You don't want to mention, oh yeah, by the way, her, my sister wife, used to be married to her brother. Eh, We're not ready for that yet, if ever. Cody talked about the reception was a big coming out party where most people would now understand their family, and he's, his facial expression shows this is a big deal to him. He's quite serious. Slow motion footage of dancing, Cody with each of his wives, the kids dancing together. For some reason, there's this shot of everyone pogoing up and down like they're Avril Lavigne during Skater Boy. I don't know. Okay, fine. Christine says, and this is this is interesting, she says, it was the perfect ending to a chapter. Ending to a chapter. She doesn't say, no, this is the beginning of a new chapter. What do you think ended to her? I feel like this is so emblematic of the way Christine is looking at things is that her life as she knows it has ended. To Cody and Robin, and I would even argue to people like Mary or even maybe even Janelle, this is the beginning of something. Christine has this grief. She is mourning, in essence. The death of her life. Not her her life as in her existence, but her life as she knows it. I don't even know if she knows it, though. Yet, she will, though. Cody walks Janelle out to say goodnight. Same with Christine. And then Mary, Robin and Mary, I guess, shared this little emotional moment. And they both tear up on the couch recounting it. And Cody ends this by being weirdly defensive. He says, no matter what anyone else thought, this event was beautiful to us. That seems strange. I wonder where that defensiveness came from. We end the episode on a shot of the big house. Christine on a voiceover saying what she looks forward to the most is a big, big house. With everyone having separate quarters all together. This would come back to haunt her, wouldn't it? When Cody pitched big house take two electric boogaloo. But she certainly seemed to feel that way at the time. Janelle talks about, yeah, future ball games events, all being together. Mary Emotional calls these girls her best friends. She just wants to be so close. They share everything and can't live without each other. This does now feel like the end of a chapter because all these things that these women described as wanting, at some point, they all stop wanting them. Oof, okay. That's the episode, Four Wives and Counting. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this, the best thing you can do is to follow the podcast or subscribe. If you're on Spotify, feel free to leave any comments in the Q&A. If you're on Apple Podcasts or anything else, leave a review if you want, a comment. You can always email me at Professor at gmail.com. I'm Dr. Adam. I'm a professor. I'm a teacher. I'm a researcher. I'm a follower of Sister Wives. And more importantly than any of that, I'm your friend. I can't wait to talk to you more. See you next time.